We've been, uh, the series was a series uh, that was supposed to focus on the balance between Bitachon and Ishtadlus, which we've been trying to do. Um, clearly, the, the most practical expressions of that tension between Ishtadlus and Bitachon are, one, the issue that we've covered, which is the issue of Parnassa and finances, whether it be career choice, we didn't get into it, but it's the same type of issues uh, by investments, insurance, things like that. The other area where the topic of bitachon versus ishtados really comes up in a very forceful way is shiduchim. And what I mean by that is uh, there is the whole concept of a bashert. What is, the, what is that concept? That concept says, you know, everybody has a preordained zivug that's worked out. Kadosh Baruch is working hard on it for uh, everybody to have successful matches. So how, how far and how literally do we take that? So that's a great topic. It's not going to be the topic we'll be discussing. Uh, it would have been a really bit relevant to be talking in Ishtadus. Also, how much effort does a person put into their own uh, shidduch? How about family, parents? And uh, how much is appropriate there? I once heard a shir from Ravaran Khan, Rosh Shiva NYU, where he was emphasizing, it just blew me away what he said, because um, I guess it's a weakness, it's a chisaran in me, that I could not imagine myself adhering to what Rav Khan was suggesting, which was, in, he's, he was talking about um, bitachon, actually, as a topic, and he said, in Shaduchim, go all the way with bitachon. Just go with bitachon. And I was wondering what he meant. Like, what does that mean? You know, just like, just sit there and everything will come like, you know, flying into your lap. He said, I did it. He says, I did it with my wife. I don't know if his wife was listening to this whole thing. But he said, I got lucky. She turned out to be really good. But <laughs> So, I, I don't know, that, that would be another interesting discussion to have. But truthfully, um, before I realized I was going to be doing a series on Bitochen and Ishtadlus, I, I really was planning on doing four separate topics that did not necessarily have anything to do with each other. They weren't the topics that we've covered. I had different topics. Rav Schreier, as I've mentioned, preferred that we get one theme. So I, I kind of, in the last minute, adapted everything to do what we've done. But this one, I'm, I decided to keep in the original place that it was. And it's the topic of disclosure when it comes to Shidduchim. And what I mean by that, I'll give an example, is from something that just recently happened to me. And you'll see why this is a very serious halachic topic. I was um, approached by a patient, or really the father of a patient of mine. And the father basically asked me to uh, be his representative in Shidduchim for all the medical relevant issues to his daughter, and basically that I should lie. He was asking me to lie. The truth was that this particular girl is going to need further surgery, for sure, and had some serious ramifications that were going to be in her future. And he wanted me not to disclose. So I said, no. <laughs> you know, there's no way I was going to do that. Um, he said, okay. But I said, what do you think is going to happen? Like, you're going to do this? And then, it, and then it's going to be time for surgery. What's that going to do for their marriage? Like, the, he's going to know that she... No, we'll just worry about it then. You know, we'll work it out. We'll just uh, say we weren't expecting this or something like that. He had a whole excuse ready to go. I said, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. Was I right or was I wrong? That's one question. In other words, is, is there ever a place for lying in, in this Parsha at all? Should he have just come forward and, and spoken or his daughter for themselves up front, and at what point. And then, what they went and did is they found a doctor. They found another doctor. And here's where the question, the Shiloh really became a Shiloh. I had to ask a Shiloh. I, I asked the post like this. This doctor agreed to do it. Now, I knew this was going on. Do I have an achrayas to warn the potential person on the other end of that shidduch? Do I have to go that far in terms of defending truth and uh, justice. So that, that's another angle on the Shiloh. 
third parties. Do third parties have to come in? And this comes up now in many contexts. When we know things about each other, and we have uh, different levels of issue that might affect the marriage or that might be a problem, do we have an obligation to come forward? Is it us or for us to come forward? That's, that's where we're looking for our discussion to be. There are various levels. What I mean by that, sometimes it's uh, going to be a very obvious case where you must tell the ramifications are too great. But there are many, many gray areas that we're going to try to work our way into some type of organized approach to these issues. We're going to end up in a point where you need to talk to both a rav. You're going to need a psak because some of them are not so straightforward. I'll try to point out those. I'm going to try first to present a general mahalach that is really coming down from the Chafetz Chaim himself, and uh, we'll work our way through. The, uh, the question to begin with really is, what, what's the big deal? You know, like, uh, what's the problem here? Like, why, why would it be that, what's the Havamina that you shouldn't say something? That was my starting point. Like, I have to, you know, tell the truth, number one for sure, and I have to make sure someone doesn't get hurt. So what's the Havamina otherwise? So the Havamina starts like this. And I'm purposely starting from this angle, because this is the bigger, the bigger Chiddush is, is how it might not be so simple that you, that you do come forward and speak about these things. There is a very well-known uh, sort of uh, place in Hashkafa and Halacha for speech. Speech is the defining feature of a human being. Right? Very, very famous Targum Onkelos, on uh, on the vayipach ba'apa nishmas chayim, right? Vayihi adam the nefesh chaya the ruach which means that what's the defining feature of a human being? What separates a human being is speech. It's where the 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 um, the maral in the gruas Hashem says that's where the neshama and the goof connect. It's in speech. It's where we declare ourselves. If you want to know who we really are. It's in how we speak and what we say. Very, very tremendous chashivos is given in halacha and hashkafa to what a person says and what comes out of their mouth. I remember there's a very, very famous uh, essay written by Rav Aaron Lichtenstein many years ago called, Is There an Ethic Lamalamin Halacha? Is There an Ethic That's Above and Beyond Halacha? It was a big hawk in its day, in the 80s. You know, some of you might remember it. I, I remember it was just like, Everybody was talking about it. Is there such an idea of natural morality, a morality that's above and beyond halacha or separate from halacha, separate from the Torah uh, morality? So the, it's a very interesting essay. I recommend it. One of the points Ravarin was making there, though, was there is, he said, without a doubt, there's something called natural morality. Without a doubt, there's a natural sense we have within us of right and wrong, a moral sense. But he said, it's important to always remember that's the floor. The Torah takes us above it. Right? And we have a chiv to go lifnim mishras adin, which takes us above. It's within the Torah to go lifnim mishras adin. But he said that we can never really lower our standards to natural morality. One place where this is really expressed, the Phineas Daiti, is in this realm of speech and the way we speak and what we're saying about each other. If you look at the first page of the handout, well, see, this is really a representation of the secular world's take on our issue, right? Is there ever a limit to disclosing information that you were privy to? Somebody gave you information. Is there something wrong with going and sharing it with other people? So, from a legal perspective, right, there is very famous context. The three there are on the first page of the handout. There is attorney-client privilege, clergy penitent privilege, and physician-patient privilege. In all those three contexts, and specifically the emphasis, if you read through this, I won't in the interest of time, but it's specifically in that professional context, it is illegal to... Uh, it is illegal uh, in the context of a professional uh, privileged relationship, a formal one with a, a lawyer or with a clergy, to disclose private information. And the reason, I want to just add this, I'll just, and then we'll take your question. The reason that's given for all of them, 
right? Let's say by the attorney and by the clergy and even by and by the doctors is a practical one. The reason for that rule is because they want to make sure that people feel free to disclose. A person who's dealing with a lawyer needs to have the freedom to be open and honest with his attorney. And if he knows that the attorney could go and then run with that information, he would be hesitant to do it. So in that context, for sure, it's got a tremendous significance. Same thing by clergy with um, its own ramifications. And by physicians, mamish pikuach nefesh. Mamish, the feeling is, if we don't have regulations like HIPAA and, and the various uh, means of curbing what a physician's allowed to share in terms of private information about their patients, patients might be hesitant to tell the whole story. And that is certainly a very dangerous thing. Right, correct. We don't have this concept. Oh, no. See, right, that's, that is the most famous case. That's the one that got, that got out there. But we're going to see that the halacha actually broadens this well beyond what these, these are limited to. So that we're going to see that there is no fiduciary kind of concepts in halacha where it's limited to these contexts. But there is something far broader, far more encompassing, far more serious. And the second point is, whereas I was saying, this, these have practical origins. The reason for the lawyer and the clergy and the doctor is a pragmatic one. It's not an ethical, moral reason. It isn't because, oh, it's not a nice thing to do to share private information. There's nothing like that. In halacha, obviously it is. In halacha, the concern is a moral, ethical one. That's a major, major difference between what's driving the two contexts. So let's go, let's get into the halacha. So the halacha starts on the next page. And there is a, a lav in the Torah called Lo Selech Rachil Ba'amecha. Right? What is that, what does that Pasuk say? That Pasuk is saying that you're not allowed to go around the, the word Rachil. Is like, um, it's coming from, and it's first the two words that are important. It's the Halicha, Lo Telech, don't go walking around. Like uh, Rachil is like sort of like a, a peddler. That's the that's the imagery, right? Is a Rachel is is going around from town to town. If you look at Rashi on this pasuk, he says you're not supposed to go around like a peddler going from town to town trying to hear the hawk, trying to get some information, and then and 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 Rashi seems to emphasize negative information and then share it around with everybody else. So the question is, this love, this is love in the Torah. What? How far does it go? How far does it go? And what are the specifics? That's what we want to figure out. So if we turn to the next page, very interesting Gemara in Yuma that comes out of the opening Pasuk in Sefer Vayikra. Right? It says, Vayikra el Moshe ve'yadabir Hashem elav, me'ohel mo'ed, le'mor. So there's a lot of Kriya, Dibor, and Lemur going on in that Pasuk. Famous Rashi is on the first part, Vayikra, Vayidaber. What is this Vayikra that precedes the Vayidaber? Why is it so important that uh, first Hashem was Kore to Moshe, and then he spoke to him? So the famous Rashi, it's not Negea to us, but it's, that, it's, a, it's a Midah that's a very nice uh, Derecheretz, that you should first, before you speak to somebody, call them, approach them in that sense. By, from Hashem, it's Vaderechiba to Moshe, in contrast to how he spoke to Bilam. So that's that. So the Gemara, this, that comes from the same Gemara in Yuma. Then the Gemara says the following. What about the Lamor at the end? What is Vayikra Moshe Hashem Why do we need that Lamor? So says the Gemara, he says, Lamor. So Amaraba, Minayin la Omer Davar la Chavero, Shu Bebal Yomar, Adshiomer Lo, Lech Emor. Shinamar Vedaber Hashem Elab Bel Mahad Lamor. Where do we learn, and this is an incredibly broad application, um, where do we learn that you are not allowed to share information that you were told, private personal information, that you were told without the explicit reshus of the person who told you it? Which means, it's not a question of, you know, he didn't tell me not to say. We don't have, you don't have to wait 
to realize it's usher to share this information for him to tell you, oh, please don't tell anyone. No, the given, Minha Torah, is you are not allowed to share private information. Absolutely not, unless, Lamor, unless you were given explicit permission by the person who told it to you to say it. Your default position, your assumption, is you're not allowed to share. You're absolutely not allowed to share. See, beginning right away, and we'll see how this develops halachically, it is an incredible, uh, tremendous height that this midah is being taken to by the Torah, how significant it is, what speech can do, and how guarded we have to be with what we say. The expectations of the Torah are well beyond anything in secular law. Secular law is that limit, that pragmatic limit to professional circumstances. By us, every single one of us is... Uh, held in check by this din. Now, is this a real din? That's the question you have to ask. Is this, is this really, is this just like a Gemara that's throwing something out there? Or does this make its way into the halachic literature? Is this in the Shulchan Aruch? So, it's interesting, because why might it not? If you look at the Meiri on the bottom, on this Gemara, so he says, he calls it Derech Eretz. So that's a little nebulous. What does that mean, Derech Eretz? So it's a nice way to be. But is that it? So if you turn the page, the Rambam dispels all doubt. The Rambam really puts this halacha on the map in a way that is going to be its ultimate formulation. And the Rambam says, first, in general terms, HaMeragel B'chavero, Over B'losasa, Shneemar Lotelech Rachil B'amecha. He says, a person who goes around, right, and is sharing personal information, he's over in a losasa, and, he, and the Rambam feels very strongly about this. The Alpha Bishain Lokin, you're not going to get Malchus for Dibor, it's a Lavshim Maisa. Davarze Avon Gadolhu, the Gorim Harug Nefashos Rabos. This is an incredibly dangerous area, you must not be over on it. And then the Rambam in the next halacha, he says, maybe he's talking about saying Lashon Hara, saying negative things about somebody. What about just neutral things? Or, or positive things even? Am I allowed to do that? So the Rambam clearly holds us to the highest possible madrega. He says there are four types of people that talk. What is a rachil? A rachil zeh shetoen dvarim v'holech mizel azeb omer kacham arploni v'kach shamati alploni avo bishuhu emes harei zeh a person who just hears neutral, now I'll prove it's neutral information in a moment. You hear something, or I heard this about this guy, I heard um, something from this guy. You cannot, a person who goes around sharing that and, and is, is a yenta and is a gossip, that person is machriva olam, and he is the one that is subject to the love of he is being over on that love. How do I know that that's the one? Even if it's true. Right? We all think, oh, it's true. It's okay. No, it's not okay. Even if it's funny, it's not okay. Right? That's an often one I hear. I, I'll have somebody come over to me and they'll say, oh, you got to hear this. I said, no, I don't want to hear it. So he says, no, that's funny. Like that's some kind of matir. I never got it, but whatever. Um, so then the Rambam says, and then there's other types of people. The Rachel is this first person. Then there is the person who speaks Lashon Hara. What's Lashon Hara? I think we understand Lashon Hara. But one of the if you say... What's Lashon Hara? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yaakov won a golf game yesterday with his friends. Is that also that Rachel? Where do you stop? Good, 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 good. We're, we'll, we'll, we're aiming towards def- honing in on a very specific definition. It's a good question. It's a good question. The Rambam is starting the ball rolling for us. First, I want to establish that there's a din about Rachel, and we need to define it. 100%. 100%. Blinender, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. But I want to differentiate it from what it's not. What it's not is Baal Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara is somebody who says Ganai about another person, who says negative things. So clearly, Rachel does not require it to be negative. That's the Lashon Hara guy. And then there's something worse. There's a Mochi Shemra. That guy lies about negative things about somebody. That's even worse. And then there's a Baal Lashon Hara, that's the fourth category, and this is a person who's habitual, or there's a whole machlokis on the Achronim, what exactly the Baal Lashon Hara is. But what's clear when you see all the four categories is the first one is not necessarily 
It's certainly telling the truth. You could be telling the truth. You still shouldn't be doing it. And it's not necessarily G'nai. So we have to, so what is that? Like, I can't talk. It's, it's you know, we'll have a very silent community, right? If, we, if it's like that broad. So we have to kind of narrow down how broad is it? And ultimately, where do we put it into the context of Shaduchim? That's going to be very important. When we talk about attorney-client privilege, that's usually an adversarial, there's an adversarial background. So it's easy to understand why we can't disclose. Between a husband and wife, at least in my context, that's like one unit. What are you saying? The blush and horror on the spouse? It's like, what does that mean? Is there such a thing? Or is that are you saying about a, a husband, a conversation between a husband and a wife? Is that what you're referring to? It's one unit is what I'm really looking at it as. And whether they are married or they're potentially married, if you're going to say, disclose, you're taking one position possibly. If you're not going to disclose, then you're taking the other side's position. Where, how do you say anything? Right, so that... But again, husband and wife, it's another... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't accept that a husband and a wife could just say anything to each other. These are very supply between a husband and a wife. My wife stops me from saying Lashon Hara night and day. Trust me. She's very good about it. And she's much better than I am. And I, I see a marriage as a very open relationship where there's... Yeah, so... So where do you draw the line on that? No, well, secrets about other people. Yes, things that are relevant to their marriage, of course. Ah, okay. Good, good. I couldn't agree with you more. But, but let's see. It's not uh, that easy. It's not that easy. But we'll we'll end up there. I think you'll be satisfied. But let me let me just move forward a little. Let me just move. move. Okay. I heard somewhere that when you're looking for a shidduch and they ask so-and-so, what about Yonkel? They're allowed to say negative things about Yonkel if it's the truth. If, if, if yeah, no, we, I think we need more detail. What? Right? Under certain circumstances, that will be true, what you just said, but under others, it will not be true. Okay. So, so let's hone in. Let's hone in. Okay. I, I, we, we, everyone wants to get into shidduchim, so let's get into shidduchim. Okay. <laughs> It could be. It could be. Believe it or not. Could be. Yeah, yeah. Now, this idea of Loselech Rachel, is it just in the Rambam, or does it make it into the Shulchan Aruch? So the answer is, it makes it in. There is a Simen Kufnan Vav, very famous Simen in the Shulchan Aruch, that discusses, you know, the daily, uh, the daily sort of uh, moving from shul to work sequence that a person goes through. So it's a very interesting simon in itself. Just it's fascinating, the whole discussion for some of the other things we had spoken about earlier. But in this simon, the Magan of Ram, is one of the Mepharshim on the Shulchan Aruch, decides that this is a good spot to go into some sort of broader issues. So he starts talking about the mitzvos tmidios. These are mitzvos that are always incumbent upon us. And he starts naming all sorts of wonderful midos that are incumbent on us all the time. In the middle of that, he quotes this Rambam. So this whole Rambam of Loselech Rachel is in the Magen of Ram, and the Mishnah of course, loves the Magen of Ram all the time, and throws it in as well. So at the end of the day, this is a real halacha. Whatever it is, and we need to define it. It's very, very important, because it's as much a halacha as anything else in the Mishnah And it's serious. And it's telling me I have to be extremely vigilant about what I say when I'm talking to people about other people. That's, that's the case. It's, not, it's, it's, it's going to be something where I have to be uh, sort of trained through the Chavitz Chaim, as we'll see, on exactly the parameters of this. But before we get to that, is there, what's the tension on the other side? What's the tension on the other side? So let's say even more extreme examples where it's even more obvious I should be able to speak is let's say I'm dealing with an issue of Sakonis Tafashos. Like, for example... There are two tshuvas on this. Let's start with the Ravaji Yosef. Has a tshuva on, let's say, there's a, I'm a doctor, I am a uh, neurologist. I have a patient who has seizure disorder. And there's driving restrictions for somebody who has epilepsy and a, and a continuous problem of seizures. And I know that he's somehow finagled to get a driver's license and he can drive. Do I have an obligation to tell on him 
Yes, says Ravad Yosef. A hundred percent. Because he's a Rodef. And Mishum Rodef, it overrides Oselech Rachel Bamecha. Forget that. This is a, an absolute thing. Comes along, Rav Zilberstein has a similar tshuva, but a little even modified, less intense. It's not seizures, but the person uh, has a vision problem. Now just, you wonder, how could a guy with a vision problem be getting a license? How can he get away with it? Just want to share a story to lighten up the, the mood here a little bit. This happened to me when we, when we first made Aliyah. So, Nefesh Benefesh is fantastic. They streamline everything. It's like, uh, the, the old Aliyah people, I always feel, they were Moser Nefesh. We just like have a cakewalk. So we come in there, you know, and the streamlining means like everyone on your nefesh benefesh kind of group, you know, we're following each other through the process. So there's various parts of the process. One of the things is get the driver's license. Let's get our driver's license ready. So I had just changed my prescription on my glasses, and by mistake, I left them at home. Now, bearing in mind, I drove all the way to Talpiot from Beit Shemesh, which is not a simple drive. And with these bad glasses, we get to the place, and in order to, you know, we're moving, everything's great, we got 30 people just moving through the whole process, we get to the vision test. And everybody's like whipping through it, it's a piece of cake, and I go. For the life of me, I could not see the letters. Now, it was this nice Russian lady who was, who was in charge of monitoring it, and she, I'm like sweating and like, oh my God, like the whole place is backed up. They're all waiting. The streamlining has ended because of me, you know, with this vision thing. I was like ready to say to my wife, memorize the letters and tell me it. That's, in, the, in the end, in the end, we, I, I called a taxi, Tzion, for those that know Tzion, from, and he delivered my glasses and we ever make it through. So it is conceivable that you can get through this you know, with a little trickery. So, Scissor of Zilberstein, absolutely the ophthalmologist, chayiv to tell. You chayiv to tell. So when it comes to Rodei, if it's a Dava Pashut, absolutely. Is there anything else offsetting this Loselech Rachel Belmecha that's more relevant to us? Yes. It's the, the Din Losamod Adam Reyecha. Now, Losamod Adam Reyecha, what does that encounter, what does that encompass, that love? So, if you look in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, which is over here on page 5, it tells you some uh, settings. It seems like it's all about danger to life. Again, Sakana's Navajos. To save my friend from a potential Sakana, I have to do all sorts of things. So, does that include now beyond Sakana's Navajos? What about to save them from a monetary loss? So, absolutely, the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvahs, I'm not going to read it, but you can look at it at your, at your leisure, clearly points out that this issue of lo samad adam that we have a requirement to be concerned with our fellow people to the point of uh, protecting them with our money, with our bodies, with everything, is not only applicable to when they're going to have a danger to their lives, it's not only applicable when they have a danger to getting injured, nezek, but even mamon, and we'll see in other tshuvas that the Achonim write, Kal in this area of Shidduchim. Kal they say. If we have to worry about the money, you certainly have to worry about the types of matches that are going to be that that should override, the low t- or at least be in conflict. What we're ending up with is the conflict between Lotamad al-Damriyecha, on the one hand, which is really what's, what you were getting at. In other words, we have a responsibility towards other people to protect them, versus Loselech Rachel Balmecha. What happens when these two are conflicting, right? There's this conflict of values. So, just, the, you know, the rest of the page 5 over there shows this din is not only in the Rambam and the Gemara, but it's also in the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch expects me to do tremendous things. They expect me to possibly, this is the Sma, and this has a lot of relevance to organ donation. They expect me to put myself besafik sakana to somebody who's bevadai sakana, even to the point of bodily injury. So that's going to be relevant, believe it or not, in the world of Shadokim, when we're going to have scenarios where, let's say it's a doctor, and, he, and he, he might be either putting his entire livelihood at risk by coming forward and talking, or even bodily harm. As maybe if we have time, I'll tell you a story like that, where this poor doctor uh, went, came forward and you know, was, was punished by the people who didn't like what he was saying. But... What do we do all together? What's the final arbiter of this conflict? So, it's pages 6 
seven are from the Chavetz Chaim. Here's where the Chavetz Chaim says something that's really remarkable. He says, this uh, sefer called Mekor um, Chaim, um, or it's, it's his parish within his sefer Chavetz Chaim with Shmir Salasha, and he's talking about Rechilos. He's spending the whole sefer on this in- incredible madrega of Shmir Salasha, of watching what you say, and then he says this, if somebody sees that a friend of his is going to be getting into partnership with somebody who he knows is a crook, he knows he's a liar, he knows he's in big trouble if he goes into business with this guy, something's bad's going to happen if he gets together with this guy. We're not talking shidduchim yet, we're talking business. He says, He's chayev, to forget about Lotelech Rachel Ba'amecha, forget about that, and Lotamar Adamarecha is going to win. Black and white. The Chavetz Chaim is going to say that it seems, for the moment, that when it's an equal tension between those two, and we'll have to talk about what's equal and what's not equal, then Lotamar Adamarecha is going to win, and you're Chayev to come forward and you're Chayev to take care of it. The Vadai sounds like a very high standard. Right, so interesting. Because, for what I mean, to, that the definite lead to the thing. Says right. right. Says right. So this your discussion is a achronish discussion. The achronim debate this. I'll tell you what the consensus opinion is, like you, which means the shire is what counts. In other words, he says the shire, which means. You've, to the best of your ability, you're assuming it's not a vaday like a uh, two adim. It's not like that. It's you, you're very suspicious and you think it's likely. You don't need to go out of the way to say the achronim. You don't need vada. You don't need vada. You don't. Very good. It's a good point. We're going to emphasize it later, but, but it's good to pick it up over here. Because they're, they're debating on this line, actually. If you know one guy's a crook and the other guy doesn't realize it, you're being asked your opinion, or you just have to follow No, no. We're talking about no one's asking your opinion. You have an achrayas to come forward and save the day. And we'll see how this is going to apply to Shaduchim, obviously. The Chavetz Chaim says one thing, though, because if you look at that, that Os Aleph over there, so he says, you're probably surprised to hear this from me, right? Because he knows that he's Mr. Shmir Salasho. Wow! You know, you're, you're telling us to really start talking about people? That's unbelievable. He says, you're probably wondering. So he goes into a whole dissertation of all the Makoros. Some of them are the ones we've seen. He adds on a few, Gemara and Baba Basra, all sorts of other things. But then he throws in what's very important, and here's where we're going to get practical. Here's where we really, the Chavetz Chaim is going to help us really hone in on the parameters for this uh, idea of coming forward and telling bad things about somebody even in order to save another person. What are the stipulations? What's necessary before you do that? Whether it be in the context of business, Shaduchim, whatever it is, right? And again, some of the Achronim say, should, if it's true by business, it's true by Shaduchim. Kind of what you were saying, like the fact that this is a lifelong relationship, so much is at stake, that I'm allowed to come forward here. But says the Chavetz Chaim, you need to adhere to these five stipulations. What are they? So, number one, I'm on page seven. Do not exaggerate. Do not exaggerate. This is very interesting. Because... Uh, anyone who's ever dealt with doctors, there are some doctors here. Right? So, doctors have a tendency when it comes to predicting outcomes, and, and this is built into us, I'll say us, it's built into us because well, everyone's always worried about being sued, and, and you didn't tell the patient enough, you didn't tell all the potential complications, you didn't do all that. So, built into doctors is to give the worst. Right? When the, uh, you might as well take this pearl from me. Lo aleinu, that anyone should be in a position like this. But when a doctor starts telling you the potential complications of a procedure, they have to tell you the worst. Right? And there's, there's an exaggeration, always, uh, from what reality really is, Baruch Hashem. Right? You know, like I, I deal with catheterizations. So I would never get catheterized if I hurt myself, but I warn myself. But I know that really 99.9% everything's fine, but you have to tell the worst of it. So the Chavaz Chaim is saying, don't be like a doctor when you're going to get involved in this. You're going to start telling this guy that this guy's no good or in a shidduch. You're going to say certain chasronos, 
You must be accurate. You cannot exaggerate. Whatever you're going to say has to be the truth and nothing but the truth. That's number one stipulation. Then he says, number two. Unbelievable. He says, your kavana has to be the right kavana. And here it's like, a, to me, what the Chavis Chaim is saying is, recuse yourself if you're in Ogeabadavar. In other words, like, the guy who's got his own daughter in Shaduchim should not probably be the one bad-mouthing a potential person that would be, he'd be interested in. Right? Or, I just hate this person, so I'm going to, my real kavana here is to get him. Not to be lotamana darayacha. So the Chavetz Chaim says, number one, have the right kavana, otherwise this is going to be messed up. So that's a very important thing. You have to do a cheshpan anafesh. When you're coming forward and you're going to save the day, make sure you're being motivated by that. And not to get the guy, and not to have some self-serving purpose either. He, he then adds to it, and by the way, there needs to be a toelis. This is very, very important. If you know they're not going to listen to you, they're going to say, even so, we're moving forward. And you have a, it won't be vada'ud either here, but if you think they're really going to go through with it, so it's going to be all pain, no gain, you can't do it. It falls back on If you start doing that, then, and you know it's not going to do any toelis, you can't do it. That's a very important one. To me, most of the time, you're in a position where you can assume there'll be a toelis. Right? It's rare but it does happen. There are cases that I've been involved in where that became an issue. And the Chavz Chaim is telling, do not, you're not accomplishing anything. If you go forward, you're just, you're just causing more harm than good. Chazal actually say, there's Gemara's like this in Ksuvos and other places, where they say, you, you have to be meshabeach, this type of thing. When you know the guy's going to buy this car anyway, right? Let's say he's like me, always buying a lemon, right? So, so, I'm going to buy it no matter what. It's just going to happen, right? It's a temporary car, whatever it is. So don't tell me how horrible the car is. Just don't tell me. Be meshabach, because there's no toelos in telling me the truth. That's the, the kind of thing. Or they're going to buy the house anyway. Right? They're going to buy the house anyway. But if it's pragmatic to tell them, by the way, did you notice there's a drop ceiling which has its connotations? Or you see those little water stains over there? Right? So sometimes there's a pragmatic reason just in case the guy's totally out to lunch. But something like that where you're not going to do the guy any favors, he's just going to feel bad, the Chavetz Chaim's telling you, don't bother doing it. You can't anticipate. Right, so it has to be one where there's some reason that you're going to be able to. You have, you're privy to information, they're going through with this no matter what. They've heard the rumors. Let's say there's rumors out there about the guy, right? This would be the kind of scenario it would be in Shaduchim. There's rumors about this guy, whatever. Um... And you know it for a fact, right? But they're not hearing it. And you know that. You kind of know it. And then there will be no point in you just causing everybody to suffer because that's what's going to come out of that. You're not going to achieve. Unless you could somehow think that you will achieve it. If you think you will, then you can. Then you can. All right, so that... Are there restrictions on asking the question too or discussing the answer? What do you mean asking the question? Well, I mean, we've gotten calls occasionally Yeah, it's an independent issue, right, right. I've gotten those too, you know, like, tell me what nursery school the mother uh, went to. Right, so you could draw the line where you... I've, I've, I've heard from very, very well-known Rabbanim how they handle those sometimes. Because I was being very meek about it, but once I heard the, what they were doing, so like... But it's an inappropriate question, it's okay to say, do you really need to know? That's what they said, do you, do you think that's really no gaya? Do you think that's like relevant at all? Like, like that kind of thing. Try to be nice, but get the message across. He's sort of being vague. You know, I don't think it's a good idea. Ah, we'll get Since, to that. Oh, I know. This is what you'll see in a moment. He never goes to Minions. And, eh, right. We'll get, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that in a second. All right, so what's number three? Number three is that, first and foremost, you should always try to not be necessary, which means... Let's say in the business example, so there's the guy that you know is the liar and the cheater, and, he, and he's overcharging or something like that, and you know he is. The first thing to do, says the Chavetz Chaim, is get the guy to come forward himself. If you could do that, that would be the best. Get him to, to do that. So that was stipulation number four. And then number five I find to be very, very difficult, and that is that if you know the guy you're telling is going to go spread it around to everyone... 
Right? Even though you, you have a toelis and you're doing it for the right reason. But you think this guy is going to go spread it to the entire, he's going to be in the newspapers, right? That might be a reason to hesitate to actually come forward. Because that's going too far. That's going to be, you know, you could save him, but that doesn't give you license to ruin this guy's entire reputation in the, in the entire world. One last thing is, let's say a guy says to you, right, let's say I'm privy to something about, you know, there's a, there's a shidduch. And I know it's one, of, it's one of my talmidim, let's say. And, you know, I, uh, this guy has spoke to me about very private things, and I know something about him that's very, very um, serious. And would, and we'll talk about what exactly are the things I'm allowed to say. So you're allowed to say in general things that would affect the marriage. So you told me something about him that definitely would affect adversely this marriage. So that makes it mutter for me to say it. But he swore me to secrecy. He made me take a shvua. Rebbe, swear to me you'll never tell anyone this. So does that change the equation at all? What do you think? Absolutely not. The shvur is not chal. When there's a shvur, it's like masna mashukasu b'torah. Anyone familiar with that? Right? It's like the Torah already said lotam adam reyacha. This shvur is meaningless. So that's a very important one because that's often the context. It's often like somebody swore you to secrecy. Even if you were sworn to secrecy, that's not to stop you from doing the right thing. So one last thing in this handout is before we get into examples is. Um, I'm actually going to finish on time today. I think it's pretty good. Um, Rabbi Yaakov Breish from Tchalkis Yaakov over here has a tshuva, unbelievable tshuva. I couldn't believe this case. The case is about Lo'alenu, a young man who was in Shaduchim who had a diagnosis of cancer. The only thing was, he didn't know it and his family didn't know it. And, and that's the start of this Shiloh. Now, uh, I, I know the context where this sometimes happens. Like, I, I, I've never seen the whole family be left in the dark, but I've definitely seen where the, the child, the, 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 the teenager, was not told, right? And the Hasidim are very, very hesitant. They feel that it's going to really affect them psychologically, and, and, and they don't tell. And they tell me not to tell them. Right? It doesn't go over well in contemporary American medicine, I'll tell you that much, where there's autonomy obsessions. But, but this is the way it is. So his Shiloh was, the Hasid doesn't know, his family doesn't know, but the doctor knows. He's going to got two years to live at most. And he's about to get married. So he was asked, is, he, is the doctor, the, the, he calls it a rofe charedi. The rofe charedi, is he chayiv to tell the kala? So, you know, until now, what the Chavz Chaim was saying, mutter. We were thinking maybe it's okay, I'm allowed to do this. Comes with Yaakov Baruch, and he says, you are chayiv absolutely have to do it. It's not a choice. You must. In a case like this, the type of tsar that this person is potentially causing to this poor young girl, even though they're innocent, that's why, he, that's why the, the, the knech on this case that the chassan doesn't know and the family doesn't know, they're not malicious. They're not bad people. It's going to destroy them. But you have to tell. You have to tell because of the daughter. And then he throws in, it's not only lo tamad adam reyecha, but he adds another love. Lifnei iver lo titen Now, what, why is that important? Because what we're going to ultimately get to is, what about, and this is really very serious for doctors, but it could be in other contexts as well, what if my, I'm really going to lose my job? Or I'm really going to be destroying the patient-doctor relationship, and people are not going to come forward, people are not going to speak about what's you know, really going on with them, because they're going to be afraid of divulging. It's going to have tremendous ramifications. Does it, am I chayef am I to give up all my money, my whole parnasa, for this? So it's going to depend. There are rules that depend on the type of iser that's going on. Lo and now If they are lavim, bekumda asay, you are over on them, you're chayef to forgo your parnasa. If they're just an asay, then you're not. You have to You just have to give up a little. You wouldn't be chayven. We're going to see this is going to affect the post-skim tremendously. It seems like a little point. I was blown away. I'm going to show you what Vasha Weiss has to say on this topic. I could not believe his talk, but we'll get to it in a second. What about Ravi's original question? Right? Meaning, respectfully, I think 
attorney-client, the, the privileges, I think, are not really the right, maybe not the right references. It, it's the duties of confidentiality, professional confidentiality. Right, so will he be a dean of the Malchus Adina? That, that, that. No, meaning it's not just you can right. use your license. It's a doctor or a lawyer. Right, so there's one of the cardinal, cardinal rules of Dina de Malchusa is if it's so sir, Dina de Torah, it, it's out of the way. It's nitche legamer. You never worry about Dina de Malchusa if I am worried about Lotam al-Damerecha. Never worry about it. And, and that's, that's a general rule, right? That's one of the ABCs of Dina de Malchusa is except when it's contradicting the Torah. Right? That, then, then we draw the line. All right. So we have now, um, as, as a summary of where we've gotten to, um, we know that when there, there are two tensions. The Torah wants me to really watch what I say about people. When I'm not in the context of Tamarecha, I really have to be careful with what I say. This is a serious halacha. It's good for all of us. We will develop better relationships if we adhere to this. No question about it. But when it's up against Lotam al-Adamarecha, which means certainly life, certainly injury, certainly mamon, and Kavachomer, Shadokhim. All of those are going to be reasons that will override the whole consideration of Rechilus and Lashon Hara and all of it, because those things take precedence. But, practically speaking, how do we work that out? How do the poskim tell us to do this? How do they say, is it just that simple? Go in there and rip the guy into pieces? Is that, is that like open season on anyone you know something about? And what kind of issues are we talking about? We're talking about psychological issues, physical issues, medical issues... And about Truva's past, or maybe I know something about the family right now, or maybe I know something about this kid. Where do I draw the line on this? I, I know I know that you know things that he did, like let's say private conversations, all of that is like open territory, everything. What parameters could I use? So the first thing is the postkim say if you can get out of it, right? It's like it's like the Din Rodev, right? We, we started with Rodev as one of the compelling reasons to, to allow for speaking to save somebody. But Rodev, what, what's one of the fundamental rules of a Rodev? Yeah, if you could do it without killing, you have to. You're over in Ritzicha. If you could have stopped the Rodev without killing him, that's a Maestro Ritzicha, if you kill him. Right? Now, it's not always possible. It's not always possible. But, if you can. So, the post-game have these interesting expressions. I'll share some of them. On how, let's say, to get the message across with minimal collateral damage. So, I'll quote from the various post-game. Rabbi Zilberstein, Yitzhak Zilberstein. He says, say it like this. Right? If you're a doctor and you need to disclose private information to save a shidduch. I cannot disclose any information without the patient's consent. So, says Rabbi Zilberstein, Right? And he says, that's going to be a big red flag for somebody who's thinking. Right? And that's part of your agenda. You're allowed to do that. In other words, he's saying, avoid the Lashon Hara, and this is going to protect you as a doctor too, because that's a big concern. Right? We don't want to, A, you, have you lose your entire Parnassah. B, maybe Dina de Machusa does mean something. And C, um, it's going to stop patients from being open and honest like they have to be. So, but how do I save the Lotam al-Adam Recha? So this is Zilberstein, you say that. The Chafetz Chaim had this similar kind of thing. I don't know what to advise you as I am not entirely familiar with the situation. That's eh, a little too ambiguous, right? The, the more contemporary postgame, take it further. I like it with Moshe Sternbach. He says like this. And this, is the, this is the one that I've been contemplating adopting. You don't have this in your hand now. So as a physician... I am bound by confidentiality, and it is forbidden for me to disclose the state of health of my patients as they revealed their concerns to me and paid my fees on the condition of privacy. So the guy's going to notice, like, why are you telling me like, the whole dissertation here? Like, obviously, right? I like this one, because and I'll tell you the truth, I feel so strongly about the Lotam al-Damarecha, if I thought the guy didn't get it, he thought I was just being a good HIPAA you know, adherent, I would say, Vehamevin <laughs> like I would, I would actually say that, right? That's one step further towards saving the person. Because remember, Lotam is, is really the, the agenda here. 
what are the different types? Let's go finally to what's, what is considered holech rachel? What are the things I'm allowed to say and what are the things I'm not allowed? I, I, I should withhold back and not say. So there are certain things when it comes to shidduchim that are absolutes, universal, go for it. Right? One is if, chas v'shalom, like that case of, the, of that boy with cancer, if the lifespan is going to be limited to that degree, that's a no-brainer. Everyone would say, go forward and tell. If, and this, this is a situation that I once had, there is a condition called Marfan's disease. Anyone familiar with it? I hope you're not. But it's a connective tissue disorder that women who have it are in tremendous danger uh, if they get pregnant. And the only option for them is either to risk their lives or a surrogacy. Right? So this was the situation in this particular case. And I get a call on a shidduch for this girl. And I, there's no, she's not going to die. You know, she has doctors taking care of her. Right? I'm going to pass her off to an adult cardiologist and he's going to take care of her. And one day she'll probably need surgery and she'll be watched. So she's not going to die. But either the doctor is going to say, absolutely do not have children. Or he's going to say, do surrogacy. Or she's going to just chance it. That is going to affect the marriage. And that becomes the litmus test. Any nakudos that will impact the marriage, right? And this, this is going to be very interesting because it's going to be very societally subjective. Like, so for example, the Gemara talks about unbelievable things, right? Things that are mekartaus. And the Gemara is for anyone who's learned Suva stuff, I in hey, I in vav, right? They have over there these various things that constitute a mekartaus if they weren't known. So one of them is he's very smelly because he works in a smelly place. Right? Another one is, is like, it sounded like COVID sensitive. If, if he, she, she doesn't have a sense of smell, so it's going to affect her cooking. So for some people, that might be a critical part of marriage. Right? I don't know. I, that one is going to be very subjective. It, it, it might matter enough. I know some guys like that, you know. But we're going to start to see that there's going to be a point you need to ask both, in my opinion, for a lot of these, a rub and a doctor. You need to ask both, right? Because there, there are certain cases that are going to be in a gray zone, right? And not going to be as obvious as not having the ability to have children, shorter lifespan, uh, exertional limitations. Those are ones that are pretty much like it's, he can't function normally. Now, I once had a case. There is a, there's a rare syndrome. I, don't, I won't even mention it because some people might know who I'm talking about. There was a, a condition that was not life-threatening, could have children, but slowly over time, what this results, it's a neurological degenerative disease. At a certain age, you know, they lose functioning. So I was being um, asked to tell the guy, this was a girl who had this condition. We knew she was fine at the moment. Her mother had the condition, and she was not so fine. She was beginning to show the degenerative effects. And I was representing them. So, you know, it just so happened, she gets set up with uh, one of my tamidim. And, um, you know, I was trying to sort of, I told them, why don't you use your neurologist? Like, you know, leave me out of it. But they, they wanted me to handle it, because I understand Shadokim, the neurologist wasn't Jewish, right? And that's always a problem, because he's going to be extra negative, right? So they figured I would paint it. Then I find out, I was talking to the girl, the mother was offended that this needs to be discussed. It was against it being mentioned, in the end, I convinced the girl to take care of it herself, which I thought would be the best option. You don't need me. This is going to be a good shidduch. This guy's a good guy. I, I know him. I felt confident enough. On the third date, bring it up. Right? Everyone knows the third date rule. That's Most Rabbanim will say, when you have something like this, where it's not a knockout, um, that you should hold off. Don't tell right away. Don't tell pre-shidduch. Because if you do, you're not going to get a shidduch. And it's, it's, it's very true. Why, why would people go out from baseline with no attachment, no connection, no chemistry with somebody when there's problems already? So most Rabbanim will say, don't say anything till there's a connection. Then you must say. So she had to say on this, I told her, you can't, against the mother. The mother thought, you know, you have to realize that she has that condition and she thinks it's fine. 
So I get it. I understand how she's feeling, but I, I, I thought the chassan needed to know. The chassan needed to know that at some point his wife is going to be incapacitated. She's going to be, you know, ultimately needing him to do a lot more than he might have ever realized. It will affect the marriage. That becomes something definitely that needs to be brought forward. If they weren't going to do it, I was going to do it. And they did it. So at least she did it. Her mother was against it, but at the end of the day. What about, let's say, what? Yeah, they just had a second child, Baruch Hashem. Um, the, it reminds me of another case. You know, the, there was a case like this. You know, you, you, have to, you have to really time things correctly. Right? So again, too soon, in my experience, the only time I will advise people to tell things up front is when there are things that are very, very serious, right? Meaning, there is a, another condition that results in the person's lifespan, life expectancy without a heart transplant, to be mid to late 30s. Mid to late 30s. They, they can have a pretty normal life up until that point. Once they hit 35, 36 and more, the likelihood is they're going to need a heart transplant or they're going to lower lane and die. It's a very serious thing. So, if I gave them the normal thing that Rabbanim say, all right, just wait to the third date, right? And then tell them that your life expectancy is 30, <laughs> they're going nowhere. Like, and, and somebody, I remember I had a couple of cases where the people refused to listen to me because I was telling them, you need to work ahead of time. You need to work with the Shadchan, right, who is going to help you navigate this tremendous challenge. And in, I'll tell you, in Hasidic circles, works out beautifully. There's always something you know, that they're going to be able to match and make it work. It's harder in the non-Hasidic circles to have these kind of things, but even there. But I've never seen anyone get who waited to the third date and then did it get anywhere with it. It has to be something that's preconceived. It has to be uh, something that's dealt with from the beginning. But there are many things not like that. So for example... And, and here's where it gets subjective again. Oh, I lied. So we'll end, with, we'll end with this. What about, you know, let's say it's very, very subtle things. Like the guy has a food, he has a, a, a problem tolerating lactose or a problem like that, right? Versus somebody with diabetes. So diabetes for sure is something that's going to be high impact from a medical perspective on a person's life. Right? Even with nowadays... They do beautifully, but still, there's no way that it's not going to be impacting the, the possibilities of hypoglycemic uh, events and all sorts of things that can happen. So I will always say, diabetes is something you must tell. The, the lactose intolerance you can keep to yourself, right? Asthma versus allergies. So a person has allergies, right? And this is the emphasis of the poskim as well. Don't everybody need to know every little weakness of another person? Don't think. That's holech rachil. That's holech rachil. It's going to be something that has to have impact on the marriage. Is going to be the litmus test. They also mention another litmus test is people are trying to hide it. That's usually a red flag that that's something that you probably should say. If they're trying to hide it, then it means something. And I'll say one last thing, I'm sorry, and thanks for indulging me. What about the financial loss factor and the doctors who have this information and they want to do the right thing, but they're afraid of losing their livelihood, losing their patients. How do the post can handle that? So a lot of them just say those pshars that we said before, you know, those ways of expressing it with hinting and all that. But I wanted to share Rav Asher Weiss. He's unbelievable on this. Ravashawai said the following. He said that he's so concerned with the potential danger to the claw of not feeling comfortable opening up to a doctor that absolutely do not do it. Don't say a word and don't even do what all those other postgames are saying, which means don't even give the impression that there's something going on. Right? Most of the postgames are saying at least do that. Most of the postgames say, you know, like say something that kind of makes them need to investigate. And Rav Asher actually is taking this to an extreme. It's an unbelievable psak in my view that he's saying, 
if it's going to come down to the danger of losing the confidence of the doctor or his parnasa, you put the two together, don't give it away. All right, there's so much more to talk about, but we'll, we'll call it. Right. So, in that particular case, it was one of those, what I call universal requirers of speaking up. So, I did. And I'll leave it at that. Recording stuff. <laughs> so, um, I had to. It was, it was something that was that serious that I had to. Yeah.